The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Welcome to Issues That Matter, a weekly program featuring interesting topics and fascinating guests. Each week, Issues That Matter tackles the concerns of people across all spectrums. And now with this week's edition of Issues That Matter, here are your hosts, Edward King and Kristen Hurley. Thank you very much, Mark. Yes, we do have a very interesting guest coming on today, but I wanted to say hi to my co-host, Kristen, and... um, Good day to you, sir. I want to thank you because you were the one that brought this uh, book that we're going to interview the author for, brought it to our attention. And when I read through the book, I was like, yeah, we really need to get this guy on the air because, you know, the man really knows what he's talking about. The subject, I think people aren't recognizing it. So this is where we want to bring him in and... uh, it, it, actually, in all of the ruckus that goes on on a daily basis um, in our country, we don't often talk about this topic, what's going on in our military um, from top all the way down to the bottom. So this is going to be actually a fantastic day. Yeah. Looking forward to speaking with our guest. Right, exactly. So our special guest today is Commander Matthew Lohmeyer. He's a lieutenant colonel, and he is in, was commander of the U.S. Air Force. Well, he went through the U.S. Air Force Academy, but the exciting thing is he was in the U.S. Space Force, and you know, not everybody really knows what that is all about. But prior to that, after graduating, he was a military pilot. He also was with the F-15s. And then, as I said, that after the U.S. Space Force got started, he got moved over into there. He's very well educated with two master's degrees and many accomplishments, which I don't want to waste too much of our one-hour program. So he is the author of The Irresistible Irresistible Revolution that came out in May of 2021. And it's about the Marxism's goal of conquest and the unmasking of the American military. So I want to welcome our guest, Matthew Lohmeyer. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Edward. And I do want to make one small correction. Um, You know, it's funny. Ever since COVID um, changed the way we think, speak, and act in this country, uh, everyone's been producing the subtitle of my book, Unmasking of the American uh, Military, but it's actually Unmaking of the American Military. And, you <laughs> know, it's funny, more often, <laughs> it is, and more often than not now, my subtitle of my book has become Unmasking, but I thought I'd point that out. It's just kind of a funny uh, side note. It, it's now part of Spellcheck. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it goes both ways. I think it works both ways. Yeah, yeah Microsoft Word might not have allowed me to, to title my book um, Unmaking um, in the post-COVID era. It would have just auto-corrected right out of that. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Mark. So, Matt, you know, one of the quotes that you bring into the uh, leading opening of your book, you talk uh, from Thomas Paine, and these are the times that try men's souls. And tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. What we obtain too cheaply, we esteem too lightly. And it goes on from there. But those are poignant points. They just get right to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you're educating us, all the readers, about the dangers of Marxism and basically the ugliness of it. 
And in essence, you and I and everybody on this show agrees with you that it's it's evil. Right. So before you like give us a whole conversation about your book, let me ask an opening question. Do you think we Americans recognize this approaching danger, even the chaos that we're about to see, or are we just ostriches with our heads in the sand? The answer is both. Um, and time and the time period you're referring to matters, of course, as well. I would say uh, the time period during which I wrote the book uh, in the winter months of 2020 and 20 into 2021, and then published the book in May of 2021, uh, I would say there was far less recognition that Marxism and Marxist ideology or Maoist ideology or communist subversion uh, subversion and tactics had anything to do with the trajectory our country was on um, was a much it was a much smaller cohort that thought along those lines I would say mm -hmm. and I've seen in the past couple of years since publishing the book uh, more and more recognition that some of those ideological influences have very much to do with our trajectory mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned in our opening in your opening comments that people aren't recognizing um, necessarily uh, the danger we're, we're exposed to. And the purpose of my book was to try and help educate uh, a willing reader about uh, just why our present moment is so dangerous. And But I, I particularly, because of where I was seated at the time as a commander in the Space Force, wanted to talk about what was happening in the military. But of course, that had impact on broader American society as well. Mm -hmm. So in regards to the military, now, reading through your book and then trying to talk to my son. My son mm -hmm. has been in the Army. He's um, counter-intel. He was originally 86, 87th Airborne, did two tours in Iraq and a tour in Afghanistan, and then had a stint with um, a number of different functions within the military, did DIA for a number of years, and now he's a head of a very clandestine secret organization group of uh, people out of Fort Meade, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so he can't really tell me what's going on. And when I ask him these questions, he goes eerily silent. Mm -hmm. Would that be your experience? Is there military DEI training that's going on right on, right behind, you know, where we yeah, don't yeah. do this? What, what's going on? Okay, yeah, permit me to parse this out just a little bit um mm -hmm. I, i'd say the answer is it depends that's a standard fighter pilot answer uh it always depends context matters everyone's experience is a little bit different and so if the reason for his silence is because he doesn't yet perceive or quite think that he's experiencing what you're talking about on the one hand i'd say well that's terrific news um i'm glad he's not been put off by all of this yet but the fact is that um, the diversity and inclusion trainings, so-called, that are mandated or directed by policy of this administration and that are enforced by the Secretary of Defense and the service chiefs, uh, and by service chiefs, I mean those uh, generals and admirals who are in who are the senior military leader of each of the branches of the military who sit, at the table of the Joint Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Those diversity and inclusion trainings um, are in every workplace in uh, the United States military, both here at home and abroad, doesn't matter where you work. And um, in fact, the only reason that 
you wouldn't be subjected to those training sessions, and I'll talk a little bit later about what those entail because that matters a great deal, is because you've got a local level commander who's deliberately, um, I'd say, opposed to them and is um, not um, subjecting his troops, uh, his or her troops to that training because they believe that it is a distraction away from what their priorities ought to be. But mm. If there is such a commander, my guess is they won't be a commander for very long because they'll be um, they'll be tattled on by someone, um, uh, either uh, held accountable by someone above the chain, uh, above them in the chain of command, or one of their uh, subordinates. So I want to be the purpose of the purpose of my writing in that work, my book, Irresistible Revolution, was to tease out the Marxist roots, the ideological roots of what is currently masquerading as. Uh, diversity and inclusion trainings and when when you say the word marxism this gets right back to your initial question about um, you know, whether or not people are actually aware that that's what we're facing when you use that word a lot of people shy away uh, because they know that that's something that seems ludicrous or outrageous or ridiculous to them and it couldn't possibly be that that has any tie whatsoever whatever that thing marxism is uh, to what it is that we're doing in these training sessions that um of course at face value seem to be because they use words like inclusion and diversity seem to be um kindly uh noble maybe well-intentioned um seem to be trying to fix problems that we experience and so what i mean by the uh now i, I go through all four parts of the communist manifesto in my book and so i don't sh shy away from the topic and the richness and the depth of the topic at all but generally speaking colloquially what i mean by a marxist impulse or a marxist root is the oppressor versus oppressed a narrative uh, oppressed narrative that was inherent to marxist ideology and in today's training sessions it takes the form of race-based um oppressor versus oppressed narratives the black versus the white and that's how it's manifesting most prominently in american society and and uh in the united states military so is he seeing it or not i don't know if not good um that's great it means they're probably more mission focused uh but i hear from service members today still all the time that the unfortunate reality is that um these training sessions even if they're only happening maybe once a month at a base or in a, mm -hmm. in a unit um, are by and by being perceived by service members as a distraction away from it is what they really want to be focused on which is providing national security uh, performing a mission that they've been trained as experts to accomplish and they're seeing it so that the seeds of division into their units mm -hmm. yeah it, I really did appreciate about your book the in-depth look into what marxism means i don't think i had ever read mm -hmm. anything you know detailed like that to the average person you don't think much about what does marxism actually mean and i, I really appreciated that you did give a um the route from where this is and it's a godless worldview he marx right. was rejecting god uh, rebelling against god interesting fascinating mm -hmm. history in and of itself and then you can put the puzzle pieces together um, right. with what's going on so uh, getting back to the military though i i want you to go a little more in depth of what changes were you seeing in your when you were still in the military in the space force when you began to the light bulbs were going off and you're putting the puzzle pieces together 
what changes mm -hmm. were you seeing within the military structure um, that really caught your attention about what's going on? Uh, great question. I'm going to backtrack just for one moment, and then I'll go forward to that question. But um, even in a long-form interview, it, I've recognized the difficulty in um, really tracing through exactly what is meant by Marxist ideology. And so no doubt some some listeners on any particular podcast uh, might um, might hear that with skepticism. And um, of course, I understand very well uh, that uh, that that Marx that Marxism um, had to do with economic class stratification and economics as well. But it's also, um, I mean, it's nearly religious in its yeah. in its uh, um, sentiment. Um, and I, I've carefully read several times the Communist Manifesto written in 1848 by Marx and Engels. And I'd invite, uh, I just want to put this out there, that I'd invite someone, anyone, um, who thinks they'd like to better understand what I'll call the spiritual impulse underlying uh, Marxist ideology, uh, to take a look at the summary that I've given in just a couple of chapters in the middle of my book, and then go back to the original text, read the entire thing, and see if it isn't plainly laid out there. It, it wears different masks, it takes different names, and has various explanations throughout uh, modern history. But the reality is that it's intended deliberately, whether it was based on economic class stratification in, in uh, mid-19th century Europe, or later on race in the West, and then specifically in America from the 1960s onward, it was intended to pit people against one another, to divide people from one another, so as to uh, generate enough um, of a visceral, emotional, guttural response to the oppressor that you would use violence to throw them off. It's always been the same. It's been the same in Marxist um, uh, revolutions in countries around the globe for the last half a century. And so that is, just to be a little bit more clear, that is specifically what I had in mind um, as I wrote my book and when I say that there's a Marxist root to everything we're seeing today. So what changes was I seeing in the military? Well, um, you know, it was it was late spring, early summer of 2020 when I took command of a Space Force unit in Colorado. I was in charge of the nation's space-based missile warning, and um, fortunately and unfortunately, I was at a base where the base commander took up the mantle of political activist uh, shortly after George Floyd's, or I'd say in the immediate wake of George Floyd's death. Um, just like some of the, um, whether it was Black Lives Matter or Antifa activism, for example, um, that you saw throughout the country at the same time, that same um, impulse was spreading throughout the military rapidly. And all it took was one here and two there to really feel like this was a moment to, uh, as it was put at my base, beat the bully pulpit to make sure that um, we understood how terribly whites had treated blacks in, in our country's history. And so we were given homework assignments by the base commander uh, to watch Amazon Prime uh, documentaries, Netflix documentaries, and to come back with talking points for training sessions that we would have to discuss how the whites could improve our behavior towards the blacks, even if we didn't think we were racist. Um, it, there's been lots of uh, documented evidence. So the story goes that 
even without recognizing it, we have implicit and unconscious biases, and we we have resentment against the black, whether we know it or not. And so we need to, you know, have these training sessions so that we can root this out of the white soul. And of course, books like White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo were being shared, Ibram Kendi's um, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And, and so I recognized um, that along with this race war that was starting very quickly, um, people didn't want to participate in that, by the way. They just wanted to show up and do their job at work. Uh, very few people resonated with the, um, you know, the, in the military, you have a training session, whatever it happens to be about, and you just show up and you participate or you sit and you listen and then you go about your business. And this was um, coming up week after week. There was a weekly town hall about these issues. Um, then it turned into monthly training sessions where we'd take a knee from doing missile warning and other things. And it was just a rabid political agenda. It was very clear. And even people that weren't trained with a kind of political sense or eye could sense that something was very off and that it was um, it was dividing troops. And so that was my experience. And in answer to your question, Kristen, what changes I was seeing, that was a very localized phenomenon. And so I say, unfortunately and unfortunately, that was my experience because it enabled me to uh, wake up to a, a grave problem that we had. And it caused me to reach out to other bases, other commanders uh, that were my peers, and to ask them if they were seeing the same uh, kinds of phenomena at their bases as well. And more or less, uh, that was true at other bases. There was a moment we were experiencing, and it's never really gone away. It's only ramped up since then because of uh, the policy of the current administration, frankly. So there's a lot more to that story, but in a nutshell, that's what I was seeing at my base that um, drew my attention to it. Okay, so I know that Kristen asked about how the changes are affecting the military. Let me ask from just this very clear point. Do you think that this is dividing the troops and impacting our military readiness? The answer is yes, um, without a doubt, to both of those, and I can explain why. Uh, yes, it's dividing the troops. Uh, you know, there's this old saying, don't talk about religion and politics at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. That's been good advice for our uniform service members uh, from time immemorial. They're welcome to participate in the political process, for example, and 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 share whatever. I'm sorry, not share, but harbor whatever individual, personal, political view they wish, and then they can go in their private time participate in the political process. But when you show up in the military workplace. Uh, Politics and religion are never a part of a formal conversation led by those in uniform, unless you're talking with rare exception, like a chaplain at a at a church event. You you divorce yourself from all of that in a formal, organized uh, setting, and you leave that for private conversations on the side. And so, what's what's changed about it is not that people have their own personal individual views of things they always have although those two are changing rapidly in the modern era or postmodern era but it's that people in uniform were using a platform of authority while in uniform to push a political worldview and again the man was entitled my base commander to his own worldview uh, 
mm-hmm. but but to foist it upon others and insist that they begin to see it the same way that he did or else they were a part of a problem that needed to be fixed was poisonous to a military workplace. So yes, divisive. And then how does it impact readiness? Well, of course, it impacts readiness in a number of ways. And I'll just mention a couple briefly. One is because of lack of, you have misplaced priorities. Uh, it strikes right at the heart of, um, uh, maybe we'll get into meritocracy um, as well. We need to t- probably cover that at some point. But it, in order to be exceptional at the military uh, job, it requires an undivided attention and exceptional training. And when you're taking a knee, is what we call it, or having a down day or a stand-down day, mm-hmm. is what Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has called it, to focus on things that don't necessarily directly have to do with the mission, then not only does it take away from training, which impacts readiness, it impacts morale, which impacts, it's a huge part of readiness, and it disincentivizes further service, which will hurt our recruiting and our retention, which impacts readiness. And those are separate issues um, that that we've seen a lot of reporting on in the past six months uh, that are, you know, potentially worth talking about later as well. Yeah, because I don't want to jump into this far-reaching question, but being in the military and seeing military generation after generation in my family, it it takes a special person with the will on a day-to-day basis because you went through Sears school, right? Mm, Yes, I did. Yeah, so did my son. Okay. And, And then in addition to all of that, focus and strength, whether you're Green Beret or Navy SEALs, those are representative of how everybody in the military should be and needs to be because it's uh, a dirty business fighting wars and conflicts. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the character and the internal strength of, of the individuals, male or female, needs to be very, very well tuned, as you were talking about with training, but also have a very strong intent as well as a strong why. Like, why are you right. in the country? And all of this, <clears throat> whether we're seeing it in public school systems or in our mainstream media and now in the military, it's the reason why we wanted you on, it's dividing which leads to conquering. And we are conquering ourselves. And right. when I, I read through your book, front page to the back page, I just thought this is going to not just demoralize our troops, but it's going to, we're going to lose the battle before we even start the battle. Am I right or is this just... Yeah, a- you know, you're actually 100% right. And what's amazing, you see, what, one of the things that I realized when I wrote the book, I was fired the next week, even though because of how quickly it was selling, um, it's not possible in my opinion that see that the senior military leaders who fired me could have had their hands on a copy of my book by the time that they fired me. So they heard it was available out of fear. I was fired and I spent three months of following being fired under investigation. Now the reason I was fired was for alleged political partisanship while acting in an official capacity. It was like the height of irony to me because I was trying to solve a problem of political activism in the military. And I, I wasn't, I'm not a partisan animal, although I'm conservative. 
Um, and what I what I realized right after being fired is I had Republican congressmen and media outlets reaching out constantly, wanting to uh, talk about it. And I even requested to meet with some Democrats um, who are who are some of the senior um, uh, folks on the House and Senate Armed Services Committees. Mm-hmm. Um, who refused to meet with me. They wouldn't touch touch anything about um, a guy who was fired uh, for speaking up, alleging that there was a Marxist-rooted critical race theory afoot in our diversity and inclusion trainings. And this, to me, but apparently people disagree, to, should not be a politically partisan issue. Democrats and Republicans alike should recognize if there's something, even if they thought at one point it was a good idea to give diversity and inclusion trainings in the form that we presently are to our troops, if you're getting feedback constantly that it's dividing people at the ground level, it it would require people on both sides of the political aisle, I should think, as a military service member, to come to the table and have a conversation about our policy and see if it needs to be changed in order to eliminate the risk that we're injecting into the force to our readiness, our recruitment, our retention, our lethality, because it potentially could impact all of those things. And um, and instead, Democrats wanted to avoid it and Republicans wanted to grab it eagerly, almost too eagerly to use it as a beating stick. (laughs) So that's how politics uh, work. And and the military man and military woman have been trained to be rather apolitical in the work. That's that's kind of culturally the expectation. And Mm -hmm. there's good reason for that. And so it really is uncomfortable to our military service members when they see, especially someone with rank, be playing the the part of a political animal in the workplace because they feel like they're left without a voice and without recourse to solve the problem because they know after all they're supposed to be politically uh, i'm sorry um, politically neutral or apolitical in the workplace and so it's a really tough spot we're putting our uh, service members in because increasingly there's a recognition on both sides of the political spectrum no doubt that a lot of what's afoot in these trainings seems to have the the smell or the air or the appearance of a political agenda and political talking points, even if some of those parroting those talking points don't believe that. Uh, yeah, it's dividing. I had I had. Uh, let me just take say one more thing about this. Had a, had a black man and his wife, a black woman, who had different views on these trainings, show up in my office explaining what it was doing to their marriage and their relationships with others in my unit. We had black only trainings at the base. Uh, you know, blacks were the only ones that were invited um, so that they could figure out in a private setting how to deal with white oppression. And the, the, the wife was persuaded that there was something to all of that. And the husband just wasn't sure. And he felt like it was really um, breeding contempt. And so I had to have private conversations as a commander with both of them. I had a, a native American, uh, female senior enlisted leader in my office explaining that, hey, for my whole career, 19 years, I've been promoted because of my merit, because I, I'm an exceptional performer. And now that we're focusing so much on race and ethnicity and minorities and, um, and, and, and 
insisting that there should be equality, insisting there should be inclusion, as if there wasn't already. She says, I'm concerned that from here on out in my career, it's, people will wonder if I've gotten to where I have because of my my look and my ethnicity or because I'm a performer. She mm -hmm. says, I hate that. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever her political view was, you know, all of this training was really getting under her skin same was true of an asian man in my unit same was true of an asian woman in my unit they all came to me saying hey there's a lot of talk about race that's making me uncomfortable this was unsolicited by me as a commander mm -hmm. and so what's a commander left to do besides start trying to tackle this problem somehow that was really rotting uh the the morale of the force yeah and unfortunately you didn't get much of a chance to do that since they showed you the door cannot open your mouth to ask <clears throat> questions well, I, the, yeah. the, the crt and the dei stuff translation marxist ideology is pervasive you met it's in medical schools now it is they're it's not, everywhere they're not raising up physicians for the future they're raising up radicals um my question, though, you know, we've talked about this earlier um, that, you know, your your fingers on the pulse of everyone under your command and at the base, you know, that it kind of was a top down push to address the, you know, the George, George Floyd stuff. Mm -hmm. However, you know, the younger people, younger enlisted people um, are coming out of schools Mm -hmm. that have been focused on this stuff for quite a while now. It didn't just magically happen in 2020. The schools have been, and education have been undermined by these ideologies for a long time. So I'm, you know, I wonder, are the younger members of the military more amenable to this? You're, you know, you're mentioning yeah, how yeah, some yeah. people in your, you know, in, in your command are wondering, well, why are we not in a meritocracy anymore? But do the younger military people take this better in stride because it's something that they've been brought up with? Yeah, good How question. Work? You know, I want to make it clear when we refer to critical race theory as Marxist, people shouldn't shy away from that at all, to your point. It was created by Marxists in this country. Uh, critical, The critical school of thought and critical theory from the 1930s onward was created by Marxists in the US universities. It becomes critical legal theory over time and it becomes critical race theory over time. It was always created by overt Marxists. There's no mistaking that. And so that is so irrefutable um, as to be laughable when people say it's nonsense that Marxist is the root of uh, the current critical race theory teachings. And they had a particular agenda. So I wanted to point that out first. And so you bring up the schools. The schools are where it all began. Uh, so early on in efforts to undermine the cultural values of the West, did Marxists seize the opportunity within schools to impact culture that that's, it became the temple, especially the elite universities from which this religion is then poured out all over the country. And so it's far advanced of where our military was or any other organization or entity or institution for that matter. The churches, for example, are also subject to this. But the, the university setting became a kind of temple, and uh, we pride ourselves in the military um, more and more with time. We have in the past couple of decades more than at any other time in our history. Uh, we've prided ourselves on sending our senior officers to be educated at the best universities in this country. And so we send them to get uh, master's degrees. We send them to get PhDs. We send them for additional trainings and 
for, and then they end up having honorary degrees and they're invited to speak at these universities and they develop really good connections with uh, powerful people. Uh, that's just the, the reality of things, whether or not that transforms any one of them is an entirely different question. But in mass, I think it has an impact. And so, yeah, the, the, this generation that's coming in has a different mentality than my generation that went to the Air Force Academy 23 years ago as a brand new freshman. Um, every Everything culturally is changing. Uh, things in the school system have changed. Uh, the, our nation has become far less religious uh, in the, in the past uh, few decades. And so everything is different. Um, and, uh, I guess that's probably, geez, I've got like five different authors and books coming to mind right now that are worth looking at about that yeah. question. But, you know, in the short of it, you, you nailed it. So what we need to do right now is we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense Radio, Issues That Matter with Edward King and Kristen Hurley, and we will be right back. Freedom Fest 2023 is coming to the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll, Memphis, Tennessee, July 12th through 15th. The ultimate summit for liberty and financial freedom hosted by Fox Business, Lisa Kennedy. Attend our global financial summit. Four days of investment advice, dozens of financial experts. Use promo code BIZ50 and save 50 bucks off. That's B-I-Z-5-0. Reserve your spot at FreedomFest.com. See you in Memphis. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, business writing, Outlook, and sexual harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at AllianceTrains.com. Well, thank you uh, for holding on. We are back. We've got our amazing guest, uh, Matthew Lohmeyer, and his book that we have been talking about, Irresistible Revolution. It was published in May of 2021, <clears throat> but still readily available, and I encourage you to sit down and read it. Now, I will warn you in advance, it's a um, very detailed book. It really goes into it to illuminate and to educate the reader and to bring out to the uh, public some of the interesting things, the sadly, the interesting things that are going on inside of our military. But we as a thinking American should not be surprised because we have seen it in our public schools. We have been seeing it in the universities. One of the original attacks was on the teaching colleges. And we're seeing it in our police forces. We certainly have lost the district attorneys and, and the state AGs across the country, with some exception. We see great amount of division between, you know, like 25, 26 states that are more conservative. And then you have the four or five powerful states that are gone so woke or communist that we feel, I feel sometimes, is there a light at the end of this tunnel or is this the is this the end? Is this the end of our um, American democracy, the re great republic that was founded on the Bill of Rights and the Constitution? And you've really had a lot of thought about this since you've written the book, which was a lot of investigation. You've seen it firsthand inside the military. And now that you've moved on, what is your take on tomorrow in America? Boy, 
you ask the awful question right in the middle of an interview. Um, you know, well, <laughs> and you've only that. got a few minutes to answer that question, not two Here. hours. I can yeah. take it back. <laughs> no, don't take it back. It's good uh, that we we talk about this openly and honestly. Um, so, boy, okay, here's a few thoughts. You know, I answer this all the time, so you'd think I was getting good at answering the question. But um, I suppose every moment has its inspiration. Let's see if I can uh, draw something that's worthwhile. Thomas Jefferson warned about the problem that, that we're currently facing in a letter that was uh, penned to Virginia State Legislator Charles Yancey in 1816. Shortly after our country was founded, he said, if a nation expects to be ignorant and free... And here's the key caveat that we often forget. In a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be. Uh, we've got people waking up to these problems, but we have a growing population and unfortunately, in my view, an increasingly ignorant population. And if a nation, say the United States, expects that it can be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be. That's one thought, and it's one among many. Uh, John Adams also said something much earlier, decades earlier. He said that we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. I think, in my view, we've got a problem in this country. Uh, we're a less religious people. We've we've become a godless and uh, rather loose moraled people um, it's just abundantly clear in the headlines that we see mm -hmm. um so he, and he goes on to say that avarice ambition and revenge uh, think about those words avarice ambition and revenge would break the strongest cords of the constitution as a whale goes through a net and he goes on to make a point that our constitution was only made to govern a moral and religious people it's wholly inadequate to the government of any other so i use those two um, statements just as data points uh, for us to anchor in that that was written a long time ago at the beginning of the founding of an empire and um, you know we've run a good course but we have to grapple with the question of whether or not um, we're becoming more educated or less educated with time who's showing up and voting how are those votes counted um, are we a moral people do we have religion or do we not? And if we don't, do we believe in the goodness of the American ideal, at least? And, you know, all of that uh, is really important to weigh in the balance. And there's much more, of course. But mm -hmm. I think I cut you off. No. Those were such strong quotes. I, I'm I'm <laughs> sitting here speechless because it's so prescient. That's exactly mm -hmm. what we have today. So we, I think, we struggle a lot right now because of the current administration mm -hmm. right they set the tone it's not it, it's not unusual for a nation to have issues or questions or you know growing pains so to speak but it's the attitude and the guidance from our so-called leaders from the top um that's really really doing us in do you think that the military in its current chaotic state just like we are all in chaos um, with the infusion of this ideology to be at each other's throats and divide, conquer. Can we remedy that with a different administration in the next couple of years? Or or are we far gone, right? Do we have yeah. the military commanders, Millie, and everyone at the top um, that 
are going to pursue this future for the country and the military, regardless of who's in the White House. But what do you see for 2024? I like it when you ask me, do you think questions, because then I get to offer an opinion and the people are welcome to see it differently. And I think, hey, I, I could be right or wrong, but let me tell you my opinion about that. So, and then some of this is just reality. I mean, Austin um, came in with the Biden administration because he was an appointee of Joe Biden and he is pliable. He's willing to uh, ensure the uh, compliance with this administration's policy. And in fact, um, if there's a different administration, there will be a different Secretary of Defense. That's the reality. So it's my opinion that absolutely with a different administration, could you start to fix at least the top-down push of ideology on our military forces? I mean, all it would take is the stroke of a pen on January 20th of 2025, and all of our diversity and inclusion trainings go away in the military and people don't have to keep taking a knee and and uh, and being distracted from uh, their military training endeavors. Uh, that, in fact, happened with this administration in September before the Biden administration came into office. In September of 2020, uh, Donald Trump received numerous reports, both from the Uniformed Services and other federal agencies, that diversity and inclusion trainings were wrecking the workplace. And so he issued an executive order on September 22nd of 2020, banning the use of critical race theory vocabulary in the workplace and ending diversity and inclusion trainings. And, you know, this is just a, a funny side note. Um, there was an order that came down uh, to the military services asking that we gather up all of our diversity and inclusion trainings and send them back to the Pentagon because all of that was going to be gathered up, presumably to be analyzed and looked through and investigated to see what kind of things were being taught. And by the time that order reached my base in Colorado, the directive that we had at my base was to to gather up and find any of our diversity and inclusion trainings and destroy it, not to send it to the Pentagon. Okay. Uh, that's uh, that's too bad because that's not what the order was. Um, that happened while I was in command. Anyhow, on January 20th of 2021, the first day in office, one of the executive orders that Joe Biden had signed was to reverse or to eliminate the executive order from September 22nd of 2020 that Trump had established, uh, naturally, of course, but that he had established banning critical race theory and the diversity and inclusion agenda. And he reestablished it and then put Lloyd Austin in charge of the military. And so, of course, it's been a staple of the military experience ever since January of 2021. And it's going to remain so, uh, so until the next presidential election. And presumably, if a Republican is in office, one of their top priorities with the military is going to be a, to, to eliminate uh, those trainings because they continue to get reports of, of how it's hurting our recruiting uh, and it's hurting our morale and our retention. Mm, makes sense. And we're all going to quit drinking Bud Light now. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and wearing Nike sports yeah. bras. <laughs> you know, Nikes just fit my feet so well, and I'm disappointed <laughs> oh, no. that I, I keep. You know, every time I think oh, I've got a, I've got to boycott this or that or the other uh, woke industry. I think pretty soon I won't be able to go shopping. You know, because uh, I like Chipotle and I like you know pick your place, and it's it's all subject to this wokeness at some point or another. But we do. And know I'm going to have to start growing my garden. You, when we when you go woke, you go broke. So those businesses probably won't be around in the next couple of years. And you might be right. 
And <clears throat> so, unfortunately, we're only down to 10 minutes. And okay. you know, there's right. so much that we want to cover, and I don't want you to miss out the opportunity to bring more of the things that you feel are important. Because my concern, and I know we kind of asked this <clears throat> question already, are we past the tipping point? So let's not focus on that because I think many okay. of us believe we are. Mm. But still, continue to educate us about the military because okay. honestly, you know, we've got some very, uh, some heavy areas, very dark areas that are outside of our border. But saboteurs could be inside of our border preparing in advance. And okay. I want yeah. to know if the if my military that I've been supportive of for my 50 years or whatever is going to be able to stand in the gap for America. Right. Yeah, excellent question that every American, regardless of their political party, should be concerned about. Or even if they're rather apolitical, uh, they should be concerned about that very question. So let me try and help facilitate the use of the next uh, you know the remaining time by pumping a bunch of information out about things that are specific to what's happening in the military and help the listener um kind of just tuck that away into into the subterranean uh, realm and uh, they can they can draw from it when it's useful uh you know at the end of last year the heritage foundation released an updated assessment of u.s military strength and it's a report that it was called the 2023 Index of U.S. Military Strength. It's the only non-governmental and only annual assessment of U.S. military strength that exists that I'm aware of. And the, rate, the rating shouldn't surprise us given what we're talking about, but it should startle every one of us. They, they rated the U.S. military strength as quote-unquote weak. It was the first time ever that they rated uh, U.S. military strength as weak. And here's a quote from the report, and at growing risk of not being able to meet the demands of defending America's vital national interests. Now, the weak rating is down from a quote-unquote marginal rating of strength in the Heritage Foundation's 2022 report. The report from 2023 suggests that the U.S. military risks being unable to quote, handle even a single major regional conflict. Now, that in and of itself is bad news, but here's the worst news, is that we're not just engaged in one major region of the world. We've overextended ourselves to regions all over the world. Mm -hmm. We're concerned about containing the potential conflict and spill out of a conflict from China across the Taiwan Strait and into Taiwan. We're concerned about Russia and Ukraine, and we're dumping money uh, and capabilities into that conflict. We're concerned about how to support Israel against increasing Arab Arab world aggression, Arab nation aggression. And we've got a presence in countries that most of your listeners never think of. And so uh, just like ancient Athens, whose fall when it was in a conflict for a couple of decades with the ground-based Spartans, mm -hmm. was um, largely, in my view, caused by, and it's not just my view, it's Thucydides' view as well, caused by an overextension on the world stage due to hubris. I think we find ourselves in a really similar situation where we think that our power won't decay despite the worst of policy decisions, both domestic and foreign. And that's just wrongheaded. It's hubris mm -hmm. at its best. And so that's one data point for the listeners, this index of U.S. military strength that came out from the Heritage Foundation. Uh, sure. You know, here, here's a couple of other data points real quick. Uh, as soon as 
and it gives you an idea about the agenda that's afoot. As soon as the Biden administration came to power and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was installed as his pup, I mean, excuse me, his uh, Secretary of Defense, <laughs> the, the boards <laughs> of visitors. No, Biden is a puppet. Yeah, well, he is too. There are puppets of puppets. Yeah. Uh, he is a the poor guy doesn't look like he's properly functioning as a human being right now. Every time I see him on on the cameras, right. uh, you almost have to feel bad for him. Although I despise just about everything he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as soon as they come to power, the boards of visitors. Most people don't think of the boards of visitors of our military service academies, but those boards of visitors were illegally suspended. I'll I'll say that again, illegally suspended at each of our military service academies by Lloyd Austin, the new Secretary of Defense. And that move effectively stopped those appointed to the various boards from providing oversight that was required of them by federal statutes and enabled an increasing overt left-wing propagandizing of the cadets at those military service academies. Wow. And then pr- and then pressure began to mount against Secretary of Defense immediately because of the illegal suspension of the boards of visitors. Mm-hmm. And so he reversed his decision to suspend their activities. And as soon as he had reversed his decision to suspend their activities, the Biden administration sent a letter to all of the Trump appointees sitting on those boards of visitors demanding the resignation by 5 p.m. the same day or they'd be terminated. That is one, you know, I know that kind of political game playing takes place in some other uh, places within the government, but it hasn't taken place traditionally at our military service academies that's not been the the arena for for partisan uh bullying right. and, and game playing uh one other data point i've got like probably 12 points i could run you through um we've talked about critical race theory so i won't uh belabor that but you know the the department of the air force spokesperson just recently came out in the middle of a pilot shortage crisis, mind you, and announced that it needs to reduce its overall percentage of white male pilots from 80% to 67.5%. And you have to ask, well, why? And the answer isn't because, well, because if we reduce our number from 80% to 67.5%, we're going to have a much more lethal pilot force. Mm -mm, The answer is because of diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And the perception was that we have been unfair to certain minority races or ethnicities and therefore ipso facto we have to adjust a quota and so why that should startle the american citizen is because meritocracy goes out the window and who do you want flying your nation's warcraft yeah other than those who are most talented mm-hmm. you know that's that's the sole criteria and if it happened that we had a bunch of um uh let's say black americans whether they're african american or not who fill our cockpits because they're the top graduates in all of their classes, well, then so be it. That's excellent. <laughs> but that's not how we view things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, as you mentioned, we've got the same problems in the medical profession and the education world and elsewhere. Um, now, I don't know if you want me to keep rolling for the next no. couple of minutes. Yeah, I just, but, in but a couple of minutes left here, Matt, and I, I'm blown away. This is just, um, I really appreciate all of the information you have today. But I always like to leave as a woman, right? <laughs> I'm focused on my kids and uh, right. children of America and and are in the future for them. I in fact just the other day my daughter my youngest who's 16 says she has a friend at school who is not going to go to college. She wants to go in the military and I almost right. went like wait what? You know, um what I know there are still young people out there that have the vision of 
Oh, yeah. Going into the military, defending our freedoms. They get it, right? They've had instruction at home that leaves them with a an appreciation of our nation and the Constitution and Bill of Rights and all that. What do you say to them to encourage them to enlist or to go to these military academies, though they are compromised right now, though we're working through these problems? You know, how, what do you say to the young people of America to encourage them towards a future of, you know, a military success for this country? Well, yeah, much of what I do and say publicly doesn't encourage or inspire service uh, in our current military as it's presently organized. And I'm well aware of that. But the the unfortunate evil, uh, the unfortunate reality, and it's been a necessary evil, is that unless people are talking about it, then uh, we'll never get some of the problems solved. So there's that. But I do want to end on this relatively positive note. You know, we have so many, and I really mean this, so many good patriotic America-loving military service members who currently wear the uniform of their country. And they do so with pride, despite all the hell they've been through in the past several years. And we need new people who can be recruited to serve in our military, who love their country, and who want to go in with their eyes wide open is the only caveat that I'll answer. You need to know what you're getting into. And so I try and help people understand some of the... I help. I try and help manage their expectations as they prepare for military service. But if they're determined, and if they feel the spirit leading them into military service, whether um, whatever their political party might be, I say, God bless you and go do it and do it well and know how to serve while standing by your values in an increasingly difficult time. And you'll be a blessing to our, our uniform services and to the country. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate Well, Matt, that. we are literally out of time, 32 seconds left on the All right. Time. And uh, we, I'd like to start out by saying thank you. Thank you very much for writing the book. Thank you very much for your service. And thank you for joining us on our radio show. How do people find you? Uh, MatthewLohmeyer.com is a great place and um, people can send me a note there and thank you Edward and Kristen yeah and we want to have you back Matt so happy, happy uh, to join you thank you again and we appreciate it it's time to wrap our hour and check with us again in our hour too thank you All right and thank you very much Edward King and by the way before we go if Matthew can tell us how he spells his last name so people can find him on the internet his website yeah, the last name is spelled L-O-H-M-E-I-E-R, Lohmeyer. Got it. All right. Thank you very much. Sure thing. All right. You've been listening to Issues That Matter, and you can contact Edward King or Kristen Hurley through our website, bcrradio.com. And be sure to join us again next week at this same time on this station for another edition of Issues That Matter with Edward King and Kristen Hurley. CD was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.